Strong Branch Productions presents Tales from the Radiator. Crimis Cold, written and performed by Alexander Sheldon. Christmas time was approaching. It was coming fast, and Andrew had no idea what he was going to do about presents. What was he going to get for his mom? That was the only person he could think to get presents for, and she was on the other side of the country. Could he afford to buy something and ship a package that far? Probably not. Andrew thought he might get creative and make something for her instead, so he played with a few ideas. In his tiny, sparsely furnished apartment, there really wasn't a lot to work with. He wondered if he might make a little sculpture with some lint and string he found in the corner, but the mouse he tried to build ended up as a little, fuzzy, indistinct clump on the floor. Then another thought struck him, and he reached into his belly button with his spindly index and scuffed out a bit more lint to make the ears. The mouse was looking rather happy now. A proper present, maybe? Andrew would just have to wait and take stock of it in the morning. That night, Andrew slept on the mattress he had on the floor. It had been a year since he moved into this little shoebox, and he had told himself time and time again, Andrew, you're going to pull yourself together. You're going to get a frame for your bed, and you're going to get something to hang on the walls. And if you're feeling really good and not pathetic, you're going to get yourself a minibar for you and your guests. Then, since you're feeling really good about yourself, maybe, just maybe, you're going to find yourself some folks who want to be your guests. This was the long-term plan. Andrew liked long-term plans, these ones were always in the future, so you could plan for them, but they wouldn't inconvenience you in the here and now. So far, he'd made it to almost starting to search for a bed frame. Not too bad for a year's work. Tonight, before bed, he allowed himself a little wish. He wished that Santa would send him something worthy to give his mother for Christmas. So he slept on the mattress, as the great bard would say, like an ill-roasted egg all on one side. He woke up the next morning filled with the usual groggies, snapped his limbs out of his curled-up egg pose, and slithered out of his little Andrew-sized divot he'd burrowed into the memory foam. Time for work. He took the five-minute walk to his car, two blocks down the street, around the corner, and into the cul-de-sac near where he lived, because in his little cookie-cutter community, where all the townhouses and condos look like the same exact facsimiles of small Swedish colleges, sans the real-world charm, there were spaces to park. He even had a permit for one of these spaces, but there were rules. The Homeowners Association had made it very clear that these cute little streets with cute little parking spaces were for guest use only, and only for guest use two days of the week. If the same car was parked there for more than two days, it would be towed. And he'd seen cars towed in the middle of the night, parking enforcement agents waiting like nighthawks, waiting to strike at unsuspecting members of the community with the audacity to park in front of where their friends lived. Of course, Andrew couldn't even park there for the two days of the week. He was not a guest, being a resident. And there always seemed to be two very conspicuous open parking spots right in front of his little condo. Two delicious, wide-open parking spots right where he lived that he could never use. Andrew always thought that this was an apt metaphor for his life. He could see the luxuries about, the raison d'etre, like affordable housing and health care and friends and love and parking spots, but they just weren't for him. He'd accepted that. He even appreciated that the parking enforcement nighthawk were just working-class stiffs like him, lucky to have a job, and so he'd salute them with a little wave on his perfectly reasonable five-minute walk to his car every morning. Andrew worked in an office building. 
It was much like any other office building. The walls and cubicles were a perfectly lovely shade of gray, much like how gray looked in the black and white pictures when the cameras were shooting surfaces that, despite being able to have color and life in reality, were still painted gray. So he sat there, puttering away on his gray keyboard, watching lines and lines of words and data that had meaning to someone somewhere fill up his screen. He sent reports about the company's input and output, stuff about the black and what we're keeping in it. Not much, usually. Sometimes a bit of red snuck in there, and then everyone got in a big huff about it, and then his salary would get cut just a little slimmer. Then he had a naughty thought. He thought, oh, you won't believe this, but Andrew thought he might be able to sneak a glance at Marzipan, the lovely lady working two cubicles down from him. He definitely fancied Marzipan, with her auburn hair perpetually clothed in plaid. Sometimes the plaid had hints of green to it, and boy did he think that was swell. So he leaned out of his cubicle, and there was Marzipan, a bit frazzled, a bit late, as per usual, rushing to her spot so that she too could do the Lord's work of measuring the company's input and output. Andrew's eye twitched. That marzipan was something else. One day he might even talk to her, ask her out on a date. This was one of those long-term plans that he liked to form. He got back into his cubicle and sighed. Another lovely excursion. Then another thought crossed his mind. It was near Christmas and he was entitled to some cheer. What if he stood up, walked to the water cooler, and said hello to marzipan on the way over? Just a little hello, an off-the-cuff sort of thing. Oh yes, that would be nice. It might plant a seed for later, might let her know that little old Andrew actually existed. Yes, he decided, he would do it. So he leaned out once more to scout the area, and then his heart dropped. Staring back at him was Claude. Claude worked at the cubicle between Andrew and Marzipan, a frumpy fellow with a face that always seemed a little too receded into his neck. His toupee was black and awful. His glasses were large and square, and his eyes piercing with judgment. The two of them stared at each other for a hot second. Claude's eye twitched. Andrew, not knowing what to do, slunk back into his cubicle. He abandoned his bold plan to woo Marzipan, and placed that little nugget back into the long-term plan box in his brain. This was a very gloomy day, which looked like it might rain. On his ride home from work, it certainly did rain. Torrential rain. The kind of rain where you can't see much more than ten feet in front of you, and you really wish your car's heater worked, but Andrew's didn't. So Andrew spent ten minutes looking for a good spot near his home to park, but all the signs stacked on top of each other basically amounted to no parking anywhere ever. He slid his car into that little cul-de-sac and began the dreaded walk to his apartment. Of course he forgot an umbrella. By the time Andrew was preparing for bed, it was clear he'd already developed a cold from the walk earlier. His nose was stuffy and his throat full of gunk, but even so, a little hope sparked in his heart. A little hope that one day he might be able to talk to Marzipan. Dear, sweet Marzipan. Marzipan, who certainly had a last name that he might learn. That night he changed his wish to Santa. That night he said, Santa, please give me a Christmas gift that will be just right to woo Marzipan. In reality, with his cold, it sounded more like, Santa, please give me a gift that will be just right to woo Marzipan. The next day, Andrew made his way to his work sick. He could not afford to miss a day's wages. If he didn't get paid, then he couldn't pay for his car insurance. If he didn't have car insurance, he couldn't get to work to get paid in order to pay for his car insurance. Life is full of little circles like this, he thought, in his stupor of mucus and head cold. Today, everything just felt off. His body ached. His work seemed just a little more asinine than usual. And to top it all off, when he leaned out of his cubicle again to catch his daily glimpse of marzipan, there was Claude once more to block his hopes and dreams. They stared at each other for a hot second, no words shared between them. Claude's eye twitched. 
Andrew's eye twitched. Their eyes twitched in unison. Then there was movement. Something off. It took a second for Andrew to realize that it was Claude's toupee. It was... squirming? The hairs slithered over each other like tendrils, their movements growing more and more alive as the tendrils of synthetic hair writhed above Claude's head. Andrew sat speechless, looking at the space above Claude's bald head as the toupee crawled off of its shiny prison and tumbled across the cubicles, out the front door, and into the hallway. Claude did not seem to notice the occurrence. He just twitched his eye, probably judging Andrew for looking about so strangely, and then he slunk back into his cubicle. Andrew did not know what came over him in that moment. Was it curiosity? Was it, as the kids say, gumption? One of these things compelled him to abandon his workstation, abandon his duties as a team member of the company, and fly in search of the dread toupee. He crashed into marzipan on his way out the door, and still holding some developed instinct from the day before, squeaked out a little, hey. Then he was off down the hall. The toupee crawled along the walls like a spider, lurching this way and that. Andrew chased it, fast as his feet would take him, swiping his arms in front of him to grab at the thing, but it maintained a ten-foot distance, making the swiping futile. At last, the thing rounded a fluorescently lit corner and wriggled its way into a crack of the door of a freight elevator. But this would not deter our intrepid Andrew, no, not today. Today, Andrew would grab life by the... Well, he was too polite to say, but he meant it, damn it. He pressed the open button for the freight elevator. Ten seconds later, there was a little ding, and the doors flung open. In the time between his entering the elevator and it reaching its eventual destination, Andrew had a chance to question his gumption. Why was he chasing the toupee? Was he going to lose his job for abandoning his post? What would happen to the company's output if he didn't log it into a spreadsheet at that exact time? Did he really just speak to Marzipan? The doors opened with another ding. The doors opened to a hallway. There was no toupee in the hallway, but there was something stranger still. Two anteaters in full security guard uniforms stood at the other end of the hallway, guarding a red door. Two things were wrong here. First, there weren't any red doors in the building. Every door was a boring shade of gray or a boring shade of beige. Second, what the fucking fuck, bipedal anteaters? Right this way, one of the anteaters said in a deep, nasally voice. It gestured to the door. Andrew started to panic. Anteaters don't talk. Anteaters don't wear clothes. Toupees don't crawl around like spiders. Something was very wrong this day. But of course, Andrew lacked the gumption to leave an uncomfortable situation, so he went along with the security anteater's request and squeaked out a thank you. Then he walked towards the red door. Closer. Closer. Slinking forward with his right foot leading each step. He was at the door. The anteaters turned to face him. Their black, beady eyes conveyed no emotion. Their tube mouths were very close for comfort. Andrew smiled at one, his eye twitching, and opened the red door. Then he was sucked through the doorway and was flying. The tube Andrew found himself flying through was rather queer. Queer in both senses of the word. It was strange queer because it had all the colors of the rainbow and seemed to go on forever and have no gravity. To him it also felt rather gender queer because it had a distinct quality of not adhering to the gender binary and it seemed alive enough to possess his quality and to be proud of it. Andrew did not spend too much time pondering how this endless cosmic transport tube might have a gender, because he was too busy screaming. This was just a step too far from his normal reality. It could have been an hour. It could have been weeks. It could have been twelve seconds that he spent in that tube. It was definitely a finite amount of time, because it did end. And the gravityless rainbow tube did spit him out onto a larger chamber with a sort of a patooey sound. Prone on the floor of this space, Andrew eyed his surroundings. The floor was strawberry red and hard. The sky and space beyond were white like snow, swirling like winds in a picture book. 
and last, standing all about him, no, it couldn't be. Candy canes? They certainly had the red and white swirls of candy canes, but they were too large and didn't have the characteristic hook at the end. Andrew got up and observed some more of these not-candy canes sprouting out of the ground at various angles, and found one whose top end faced him directly. It was hollow. These weren't candy canes. These were straws, like you might find at the local Ruby's diner. Hello, Andrew, came a deep voice from behind him. Andrew screamed an embarrassingly high-pitched yelp as he turned around to see his host, his rotund host, his host clad in red with a big white beard and jolly cheeks and a creepy, creepy, toothy smile. Then it dawned on him. It was, in fact, the most wonderful time of the year. Santa? Andrew asked. <laughs> laughed the Santa man. He laughed a very hearty belly laugh for an uncomfortably long period before choking on his own saliva and going into a coughing fit. After a few wet hacks, he stood back up to his full height and said, Dear boy, you know that Santa's just a myth, a fairy story to keep little boys and girls in line? Yeah, I, I suppose I did know that, said Andrew, keeping his hurt inside because he did always hold out hope in his heart that Santa might be real. But, but if you're not Santa, what's all this? He gestured first to the Santa man, then to everything else, his arms flailing wildly. Who are you? Shouldn't it be obvious? It is I, Santa! He reached into his coat pockets and quickly flicked his hands out, throwing a couple small puffs of confetti. The giant straws all wheezed out a sound like a party horn. You prayed for me, and I have come. What? No, I'm sorry, this is all some big misunderstanding. I never prayed to you, I don't even know a Santa. Wanna bet? Santa reached into his coat pocket again and grabbed a tape recorder. Then he played back Andrew's Christmas prayer. Santa, please give me a gift that will be just right to woo Marzipan. Andrew stood stiff as a board, mortified. This Marzipan chick must be all that, and I'm gonna help you, buddy boy. We're gonna make sure that you do give her the best kind of gift that will show her you got game. Another round of confetti, another wheezing of the straws. No, 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 this is all wrong. This isn't part of the plan. I've made this plan, you see. Oh, yeah, 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 that long-term life plan you got. Hate to break it to you, bud, but that ain't never gonna happen. Not at the pace you're going. This was all too much. The strangeness of this place was getting to Andrew's fight-or-flight brain module. Which do you think he went with? Andrew started wagging his finger as he walked away from Santa, batting past some of the ruby straws as he walked off into the bleak whiteness beyond, hoping in vain to find a way back to his office. He walked, and he walked, wagging his finger and muttering to himself all the while, for what felt like miles, until at last he came upon something. It was a clearing full of straws, with a big red shape shrouded in the white haze. As he got closer, Andrew had a deep, sinking feeling. Then the big red shape came into clear view. Hey, said Santa. Andrew huffed, started wagging his finger once again, and started to turn around. Santa hovered around in front of him. That's not gonna change much, boyo. You're stuck in here with me until I grant you wish. Ah, but I want to go home, to my office, to my nice desk where everything's where it's supposed to be. And what good'll that do you? You'll work, you'll pine, you'll sleep in that shoebox of an apartment, inflation will rise and your wages won't. That clod guy'll cockblock you at every turn. Rude. Every day, the things you want and hope for will slip away like straws in the haze. Santa's words rang true in Andrew's ear, but he didn't quite know what to do about that. Worry not about not knowing what to do about that, boyo. I'm here to help. Just trust me. Trust you? Andrew laughed, guffawed even. I don't even know you. Everything here is wibbly and wrong. Why are there anteaters? What's with the candy cane straws? The portal? It's all... 
and pardon my foul language, jacked up. It's my aesthetic. Don't begrudge a man his aesthetic. You could stand to get yourself one of those. Andrew did not appreciate the dig, but he did think it would be cool to have an aesthetic. He could dress in leathers and sunglasses and look like the fawns. He could knit an overlong scarf and become a Doctor Who nut. He could grow and trim a beard, throw on a beanie, and wear a sweater vest over a t-shirt like the dying breed that was the Portland hipster. The problem was, to cultivate an aesthetic, he would need money, or talent, neither of which he possessed. And so, frustrated, he lashed out at his benevolent benefactor, Santa. Oh yeah? Well, what the hell kind of aesthetic is this? There's no commonality, no unifying theme, it's all just chaos, and chaos is hogwash. Santa did not retaliate. He just gave a toothy smile, and through his teeth he extended his tongue, descending like a fleshy rope. He then showed the tip of it towards Andrew, and Andrew flinched and shouted, Egads! For there was a circular opening at the tip of Santa's tongue, and inside it was hollow. Santa then retracted his tongue behind his teeth and gave a gesture of, Get it? with his hands. No, that doesn't help! That was just gross! Tubes! shouted Santa. The unifying theme is tubes! Oh, I love tubes. They really are the best shape. You know, at a certain magnification, all you are is tubes. Am not, said Andrew. Oh, yes, you are. Your veins, your arteries, your esophagus, intestines, a lot of epithelial tissue, and if you go further down still, a lot of your cells' organelles are shaped like tubes also. It's the shape of life. It's the shape of transport. It's a cat's favorite shape to run through real fast. You gotta love tubes, my guy. With that, the tip of Santa's red hat lurched towards Andrew, and Andrew saw that it was not, in fact, a hat. Upon further inspection, he found it to be another fleshy appendage with a hollow circle at the tip. A tube of flesh that stretched over Santa's head, then latched there like a leech. Tubes, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. The portal. The anteaters. As he said this, Andrew made a gesture with his hand extending from his nose outward. That's right. Anteaters are my favorite savings because just look at their sexy faces. They best personify the tube. This is why I give them the smarts. I see. Holy shit, what is that? Suddenly, a tamandua appeared, crawling up one of the giant straws right by Andrew's face. For the uninitiated, a tamandua is a yellow arboreal anteater with a long prehensile tail. This one extended a tiny box in Andrew's direction, wrapped in a little bow made of tied-up rubber tubes. That's a gift for marzipan. Go on, take it. Andrew slowly reached for the box. Gingerly, he grasped it and retracted his arm from the adorable buddy on the straw. Just as gingerly, he opened it. Sitting there, in a purple velvet cushion, was a ring, a golden band with a white gemstone set in the top. Wow, said Andrew. This is... this is a lot. You like? asked Santa. Sure, it's great, but it's too much. I can't accept this. I can't give a ring like this to Marzipan. I've literally only said two words to her. He thrust the box back at the Tamandua, who gave a disappointed squeak. You're rejecting a gift like that? Oh, I see, boyo. You think it's too weird and ostentatious like my whole setup here. Actually, no, that's the most normal thing about this place. I mean, the ring, it's really nice. It just feels kind of out of place in this whole, um, situation. I don't know where you get that. A ring is just a really short tube. Fits the decor rather well, I'd say. Right, well, uh, Mr. Santa, what I'm trying to say is I'm not ready. I can't ask Marzipan to marry me if she doesn't even know me. Santa's eye twitched. Mary? Hey, 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 you said that, not me. But, but, I get it. It's too much up front. What do you think she needs to see from you, Andrew? That felt good. Hearing his own name spoken aloud, it, it helped Andrew to feel seen. 
even if this whole strange tube dimension was set up just for him. I don't know, something small? A, a gesture, something that shows her I care, shows her the real me. I see. And who is the real you? That took Andrew aback. He didn't quite know. He measured input and output, he had a small apartment and a mother, he caught a bad break with parking. These are the things that he knew about himself. Sure, he had fantasies about being the Fonz, but that wasn't the real him. I don't know, Santa. Maybe you can help me? I don't know about that, boyo. I think you gotta help yourself find the answer to that question. But I do have a Christmas gift for you, too. Santa snapped his fingers, which Andrew was sure at this point were just fleshy tubes under those black gloves, and there was a scuttling sound coming through the landscape. Andrew looked towards the sound and saw Claude's toupee crawling straight for him at breakneck speed. Before he could react, the toupee jumped right at Andrew's face and started crawling up to his scalp, weaving its hairy tentacles through his real hair and fixing itself to the skin. What the fuck? shouted Andrew. Hey, hey, wait. Don't jump to conclusions now. Take a look. Santa pulled a makeup mirror out of his pocket and held it up to Andrew's face. Andrew liked what he saw in the reflection. The jet black hair had fashioned itself well with shape and volume slicked back like a greaser. I looked like the fawns, Andrew gasped, amazed. This is actually pretty nice. Thanks, Santa. Oh, hey, no biggie, Andrew. But just do make sure you maintain that do. It takes a lot of work to hold its shape like that. Uh, try some grease or some sculpting chutney, and you'll want to get a gnarly comb. Yeah, yeah, I get ya. And maybe a leather jacket and some sunglasses? You think that would look good? I do if you do. You know, Andrew, you're starting to look happier already. Forget that long-term shit in your head. You want to change your life, not get left behind? Start with some small change that makes you happy now. Something like, uh, like gardening, or collecting Yu-Gi-Oh cards, or, or cultivating an aesthetic. Yeah, like that. I recommend tubes. No. Okay, fine, it's your awakening. Well, well, boyo. You ready to head back to work? I think so. Hey, what about that gift for marzipan? Santa smiled and gave Andrew a knowing look. This was the most genuine, jolly, Santa-like thing Andrew had seen him do on this whole adventure, and he was filled with an inner confidence the likes of which he hadn't experienced since childhood. He bobbed his head a little and slicked his new hair back with his hand. That's right. I'm the gift. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask Marzipan out after our shift today. Normally, Boyle, I'd say she's way out of your league. But today, I think you got a shot. And with that, a light appeared behind Andrew a rainbow light that led to a genderqueer rainbow tube that would send him back to his old reality. Though after this encounter with Santa, this Christmas miracle, he felt about ready to shatter the old reality, ready to take up more space, if only just a little, ready to buy himself some sunglasses and ask out the pretty girl across the cubicles, even if it meant she might reject him. Andrew looked back one last time before entering the portal tube. Thanks, Santa, he said, and then he was gone. We'll stop our Christmas story there for today. Perhaps you, dear reader, have felt like Andrew in your days, stuck and alone and pathetic. But just remember, Andrew might get the girl. All you have to do to get there is make a little change. It's never too late to cultivate an aesthetic, even if it starts with the forceful removal of your idiot co-worker's ill-fitted toupee. This has been Tales from the Radiator. Crimis Cold, written and performed by Alexander Sheldon. <laughs>